Let us go before the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before your holy presence, Lord, to worship you again as your people. We come with the merits of Christ Jesus, covered by his blood, covered by his righteousness, Lord, by his spirit, the Holy Spirit, whom we have given us as a seal of our sure salvation. We pray and we thank you, Lord, for this hour of worshiping you. And Lord, may you grant worship through us. May you give us the power to do it for your sake, to do it the right way, to speak the things of Christ by your spirit and not by the words of man. We pray and we ask again, Lord, that you would give us understanding and give us illumination of the scriptures, these things that are hidden to many people, and yet you have revealed them to the babes and the suckling. And Lord, we just thank you that you were pleased to show us Christ, to show us your Son, in whom we have trusted and ran as our city of refuge. We pray and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We are still in the book of John. I was debating on whether to go to Romans 9 and work on election and tie to the sonship at a much greater depth. But I think I'm going to wait to do that until we get to John chapter 10. I think I'll talk about election there in much detail than we have talked about it now. But this is what happens when you are always teaching from the Bible, it turns out that you seem to always be talking about Jesus. If you're always reading the Bible and teaching from the Bible, it teaches the recurrent themes, the same themes of Christ and this gospel. And we're going to keep doing that. We are in John 8, almost getting to the end of it. It's all about Christ and God's sovereignty in salvation. And we're going to go to John 9, it's all about Christ again and God's sovereignty in the salvation of his people who are blind, who are born blind. That has to be our formula. If we are to be a church that honors Christ, a church that God sees as a church, we have to preach Christ. Otherwise, we are not a church. So we'll go to our text in John 8. We're going to read from verse 37 to 47. And I think verse 37 to 41 is just there as a reminder so that we build background to the conversation that has been going on between Jesus and the Jews. John 8, 37 to 47. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do, you do what you have seen with your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham, but now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. 
you are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do, he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. Or someone title, Why do you not understand my speech? That's a long title. Or verse 47. Verse 47 is a good title. He who is of God hears God's words. In this conversation with the Jews, the Jews have been denying as everywhere else, Jesus' self-witness. They've been denying Jesus' testimony of himself as having come from God and being the Son of God. And in this conversation, in this part of the conversation, they are denying his claim about them that they are in bondage to sin and thus need to be set free. And we see this as the response of all natural men when they have been confronted by the truth about sin. When they have been confronted by God about sin. They always have some explanation to explain away the charge that they are sinners and are helpless in and by themselves. They look at their own lives and all they see are some mishaps here and there, but otherwise they are very good people. They only see, if at all, the acceptable sins. But their minds and hearts are at peace. Their minds and hearts are at peace with what they call the acceptable sins. Why? Because God has not yet disturbed them. God has not yet disturbed them. They do not see any sin that should cause God to be angry. Or any sin that should be a major concern to God. Especially if they think they are cute. If they think they are cute. And and grandma said they were sweet little boys and girls. (laughs) And of course, like in the case of Whitney, I'm not getting off on Whitney. In her case, people were saying she saved because before she left the church, at around age 14, she used to sing in the church choir. In spite of her whole life, that was no testimony to the gospel She did not like the gospel. She did not believe in the gospel. She died not believing in the gospel. So they think just because someone once sang Amazing Grace at some point of their life, even though they ended up denying the very gospel, they are going to be saved just because they died. No, it doesn't work like that. Jesus said, the one who endures to the end will be saved. So what that means is, the ones who get saved always continue to believe the gospel. We believe the gospel all the way to the end. 
and God will cause us to continue to believe the gospel. As Peter said, we are kept by the power of faith. God keeps us by the power of faith all the way to the end. But man defines sin by their own skills and by their own experience. And especially by measuring themselves against others. And as long as they can beat the next person, they are alright. As long as I'm doing better than Robert, I'm okay. They don't really think that they need the real righteousness that is the righteousness of the gospel. The Jews thought sin was a Gentile problem. And not for them. And that is why they were offended at John the Baptist when he came and asking to baptize them. John 1, 24 and 25. Now, those who were sent were from the Pharisees. Those who were sent to find out the person of John the Baptist. And they asked him saying, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? According to their understanding, it is only the Messiah who was to baptize. But if in the meantime, anybody has to be baptized, it can't be the Jews. It has to be these Gentiles who did not know God. So baptism traditionally was for the Gentile converts to Judaism. But never was for Jews. And that is why it was unusual to the Jews that John would come and call on a baptism of repentance. Baptizing me? No way. I'm a Jew. I'm a child of Abraham. What's wrong with you? What they did not know is that they too were just sinners as the Gentiles were. Why? Because sin is a universal problem. It is a human problem. We are not made sinners because we are Gentiles. And they were not In their mind, they were thinking they were not sinners because they were the descendants of Abraham. But even to the proper understanding of sin, we are not made sinners by the circumstances of our lives. No one is made a sinner by the circumstances of their lives. We are sinners because we were born so. That is our nature. We are sinners, as I always say, even if we spend the rest of our lives locked up somewhere in some dark room by ourselves. So being a sinner is about the nature of being. It is about the spiritual constitution of a fallen being and not necessarily what we do. And it is this nature, this sinful nature, that drives the sinful actions of a sinner. And so talking to that, If we are comparing a sinner and one who is holy and righteous like God, like Jesus. Jesus is God. He is holy. He is righteous. He doesn't do things to be righteous. He does righteous things because he's righteous. We are sinful beings and we do sinful, sinful things not to be sinful, but because we are sinful. So it's about the nature of being. God is holy and righteous. We are sinful, and that's the difference. And being sinners, that means we were born capable of committing every sin that is in the book and alphabet of sin. We have the ability to commit every sin. 
But the only thing that kept us or that keeps us is the hand of God. Who put boundaries to what sin and how much of it you and I would do. And where, when, and how long. We are all sinners, but we did not do the same sinful actions. Everyone has their own testimony of their sin, but it's different testimonies. But the common thread is that we are all sinners. And so many who are yet to really experience their sin think they are so good and they are sanctified and that their seven steps is working for them. And they wonder, oh, what's wrong with those people? What? Why can't they get better like me? <laughs> Because if you say, why can't they get better? You're judging them by some standard, which is usually you. And so because they don't understand the nature of sin, they take the credit away from God and mistake God's good providence towards them as their own righteousness and progress in sanctification. But the truth of the matter is that if God gives us over to ourselves, we will make amateurs of those very bad sinners that we dread. So for you and I, it is only by his grace working in and by his spirit in us that keeps us from stumbling and to do that which is pleasing in his sight. He is the one who works in us to both will and to do for his good pleasure. That's the teaching of the Bible. And so, The Jews think themselves to be a free people who have never been in bondage to any man or in bondage to anything. And they claim their freedom from slavery because of their blood. They think they come from very good blood. They have good DNA, very good lineage, very good connections. They are physical descendants of Abraham. They claim to come from good people and should get a free pass on salvation because they have the blood of the patriarch Abraham unlike Jesus who was born of fornication. At least that is the charge and it is a false charge to try and silence Jesus. But the Lord comes and argues and says, it is he who sets any man free because The bondage that he speaks about that the Jews are under, that every man is under, is no respecter of persons. The bondage of sin is no respecter of race or gender or class or age and whatever you can think of. And how do we know that? How do we know that sin is no respecter of man? Because we always read it in the papers. We always Read of the woman of the year who is a man. But even more, because all men die, because all have sinned. Money may conceal some sins, but it reveals others. If you have money, it covers some things, but it also reveals some other kind of sins. Sin has growing horns. It has horns that are always growing and therefore cannot be concealed. We have a saying in Shona that that which has horns cannot be concealed. 
Because the horns are going to grow and it will go through the wrap and the packaging <laughs> and expose itself. And even Father Abraham was a sinner. He went into the tent with his wife, wife's handmaid. And he needed to be set free by the son of man. Abraham had to be set free by the gospel of grace. For he believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And that tells you that Abraham was a sinner. So the standing that Abraham had with God did not come from his own goodness. It did not come from his own intrinsic goodness or freedom to do good. Sinners do not have the freedom to do good. They don't. They are not able to do good. They are not able to choose good. Because they lack the ability to do so. They also lack the will to do so. The desire. They lack the power to do good. It is beyond their spiritual capacity and resources to do that which is pleasing to God. We can do whatever we call good. Buying Christmas presents. And say, oh look at me, I'm good. I'm going to buy him PlayStation, whatever number. But that's not the goodness that God is talking about. All men are slaves to sin and God has this testimony of all men in Romans 3, 10 to 12 and says, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none who understands. There's none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There's none who does good? No, not one. You see the nuns? Not the Roman Catholics nuns. None. There's not a single one. So there's none who is able to do good. Why? Because there's none who is free. Everybody is in bondage to sin. And as long as you're in bondage to sin, you can't do good. And so here what sin actually does to a man. Second Peter 2 verse 9. Apostle Peter is talking about the false prophets. Second Peter 2.9. And he says, while the false prophets promise them liberty, they come and they promise people liberty. They themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. And that last part of the verse, if you have the NASB, says, For by what a man is overcome, by this he is enslaved. So Apostle Peter is talking about the false teachers and their corruption. He says, false teachers, false prophets promise freedom. That is the hallmark of their teaching. Liberty from financial problems. Freedom from health problems. Freedom from marriage problems. And yet they themselves are in slavery to the very things. They are in slavery to corruption. Because they are slaves to corruption, which is sin, they are promising others that which they don't have themselves. And are not able to give to anybody. Because they are slaves. They too have been mastered and brought under bondage to sin. That's what Apostle Peter is arguing that these men are under bondage to sin because they have not believed the true gospel. And so Peter's conclusion by the Holy Spirit is that by whatever a man is overcome, 
By this he is enslaved. Whatever overcomes you has power over you. Otherwise, it will not overcome you. It becomes your master so as to do his bidding. If a python overpowers you, you are tossed. (laughs) If a lion overcomes you, you are gone. You have been overpowered. But even more, we know sickness. Sickness in man happens when germs like bacteria, germs not germs, germs like bacteria, viruses come and overtake our bodies and our systems. And then the bacteria, the viruses begin to use our own bodies to do whatever they want with it. And when our bodies have been overcome and have been overpowered, we seek the help of antibiotics to try and overwhelm their defenses and help us to recover. So when you get sick, it means your body has been overcome. And you have to look for extra help to overcome the bacteria so that your body can have a chance to recover. And serious infections need serious medicines, heavy-duty antibiotics. And sin requires heavy-duty cleaning. Heavy-duty cleaning, not bleach. Not just some soaking in a soaking tub, but the blood of the Son of Man that sets you free. And the Jews, like all men, have been overcome by sin. Jesus is talking about the doctrine of total depravity. And they are denying it, like the Armenians are fond of doing. The Jews, like all men, have been overcome by sin, even though they are physical descendants of Abraham. Their situation needs more than their physical DNA to be set free. They need a different DNA, a spiritual DNA, so that they may overcome their bondage to sin and to be called the sons or children of God. They need, according to Jesus, they need to be redeemed. And redemption implies that one is in bondage. Redemption always, in the context of salvation, assumes that one is in bondage. You do not set someone free who is not in jail or prison. Only captives are set free because they were in chains. And to redeem someone or to ransom them means to make a payment for them as to buy their freedom because they could not make the payment for their freedom themselves. So you are coming with a payment to buy them back the freedom to be part of society. Because the law took their freedom from them by putting them in jail. And Jesus says, unless he comes and makes that payment for someone, it does not matter what they claim to be. It amounts to nothing. He alone can set free. And when he sets free, the one who has been set free is free indeed. Their freedom cannot be lost. Their status as sons of God cannot be lost. Their rights as sons and children of God cannot be revoked. For the gifts and calling of God are without 
repentance, they cannot be revoked. And it is his work alone that ends them rights of sonship. And it is the cross that purchased us the right to be called the children of God. For to make a purchase is to make a payment. So that's what Jesus is saying when he says he has to set them free. He has to redeem them. But if the Jews are claiming paternity from from Father Abraham, they should also, according to Jesus, show the same works or deeds as Abraham. Abraham believed God and was called a friend of God. Abraham saw Jesus' day and he was glad. But these Jews show by their deeds of unbelief that their claim of sonship because of Abraham is not true. It's a bogus claim. Even though they want to tarnish and embarrass the Lord by saying he was born of fornication. It is they who are the illegitimate children, not Jesus. It is they who have a paternity or fatherhood that is evil, unlike Jesus. They are doing the deeds of their own father, which the Lord was not going to reveal until they started to push him hard. And then it became tit for tat. In verse 41, now we're going to our text. In verse 41, the Jews say, We were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. So this is what the Jews have done. They downgrade Jesus to a child of fornication and upgrade themselves to first class and say, we have one father, God, and we we don't know about you. And by that, they were saying, they may even have been insinuating that Jesus Because you were born of fornication, no one knows who your real father is. You may actually have multiple fathers. They didn't have much biology understanding. But one of them certainly is not God. We have God as our father. We don't know about you. (laughs) But they think their being physical descendants of Abraham should naturally make them children of God. And so Jesus, what do you have to say to that? Verse 42. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. The Lord says, your claim to be spiritual and physical descendants of Abraham needs to be evaluated. It needs to be qualified. It is not as you think. And here is why. If you were sincerely of the same spiritual DNA as Abraham, born again as Abraham, you would have loved me. To love Jesus according to him is a sure sign that one is from God. Clarissa, to your question, how do you know that you have the blood of Jesus? Jesus says, if you have the blood of Jesus, you love Jesus. And you love Jesus by believing the gospel. Does that answer your question? Yeah? Okay. That's what Jesus said. So to love Jesus is a sure sign that one is from God and has been born of God and has the same faith as Abraham who pleased God. 
And to love Jesus is to love the work of his gospel and to stand on it alone for our salvation. And loving Jesus and loving God cannot be separated for the two are one. Jesus cannot be separated from God because he also is God. So if you have one, you have the other. If you have God the Son, you have God the Father. If you have God the Son, you also have God the Holy Spirit. You cannot have one without having all of them. And if you miss any one of them, you have missed them all. But the Lord says to the Jews, there's more to you that betrays your testimony and self-witness. You have a problem of understanding. Verse 43. And so Jesus said, why do you not understand my speech? And he gives the reason. Because you are not able to listen to my word. The Jews obviously heard what Jesus was saying. They could hear what Jesus was saying. They could hear the words that Jesus was forming and were coming through his mouth. But they could not understand what he was talking about. They were reasoning at the fleshly level. And the flesh, according to Jesus, profits nothing. The Lord was not saying that what he was saying to them was complicated or impossible to understand. No, he said they could hear him, but they were not hearing as to understand with spiritual ears. And that is why the Lord was fond of using the formula, let him who has ears hear. Why? Because not all are given ears to hear his words. Hearing as to understand spiritual things. So when we are talking about hearing in the context of the gospel and in the context of the things of God, we are talking about believing the things of the spirit, believing the things of Christ. Why? Because God is spirit and all his dealings are spiritual dealings with all his people. So anyone who comes and claims to be spiritual, I am feeling so spiritual this morning because of that yoga and meditation. So spiritual. And that's how many think being spiritual is. It's some exercise in them and about them. No, being spiritual means one is born again and God has given them the spiritual ears to process and understand spiritual things. And so the Jews could not understand his speech, not because their ears were missing, but because they lacked the ability to listen, the ability to hear and understand his word. They were natural men. They were natural men. The Bible calls them natural men. Natural men as against spiritual men. Natural men are those who are dead in trespasses and sins. They are physically alive, but they are spiritually dead. They are not able to hear and make sense of spiritual things. They may be educated and smart and have done many great things, but that is all according to the flesh. Unless they believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, they are spiritually dead. 
they have no spiritual antennas to receive the signals of God. Their spiritual receivers are dead. They have no power to receive anything spiritual unless God comes by his power and fixes them and orients them and orients their spiritual antennas towards heavenly things. So if you have a satellite dish and you're not receiving the signals, you have to orient it in the proper way where there's no obstruction so that it may receive the signals. And one who is dead in trespasses and sins, their satellite is not even working. Even if you orient it and show it into the sky, it's still not going to receive anything. You can put it on the tallest pole in the world, it still won't receive anything. Why? Because it's dead. It's not working. It has to be given the ability to receive the signals. The problem is not the signals. The signals are everywhere. So the one who is a natural man cannot hear unless God comes and quickens them and causes them to desire heavenly things. They will remain dead. And these are the same ones that Jesus described as the other three soils in the parable of the sower. Jesus talked about four kinds of soil, but ultimately those are just two kinds of soil. You have the good ground that produces fruit, and the other three essentially at the end of the day, they all produce no fruit. And it is in the context of his teaching of the parable of the sower that Jesus said this in Mark 4 verse 11 to 12. It's very important in the context of what we are hearing Jesus teaching now. In Mark 4, verse 11 to 12, Jesus says, To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables, so that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven. So, to understand the things of God, And the gospel, one needs to be born again. They need to be risen from the dead spiritually. They need to be granted hearing by God because according to what we just read, God does not grant hearing to all because he does not intend to serve all men. God does not intend to serve all men. And that's why Jesus said, I speak in parables because I don't want these people to be converted and I serve them. And that is why we always pray for God to give us understanding that we may actually hear by the hearing of the Spirit of God and not by our own flesh. And so pray always that God will cause you to hear spiritual things. That is, to understand them. And before regeneration, one can only reason with the flesh. They can only reason foolishly, with foolishness. And by foolishness, we mean with a lack of sense of proper judgment of spiritual things. If one is spiritually foolish, it means they lack the sense of properly judging spiritual Things. And that is why Jesus said, I judge with a righteous judgment, but you judge by the flesh. 
So all who are spiritually dead judge foolishly by the flesh. They reason without the spirit of Christ who gives life and illumination to spiritual things. First Corinthians 2. You have to go there. First Corinthians 2, verse 1 to 16. Because they are talking about understanding spiritual things. That's where the Jews were stumbling. Jesus kept teaching and teaching and teaching and they could not hear. And we want to know if this is what the Bible continues to teach about why men don't believe the gospel. First Corinthians 2 verse 1 to 16. The apostle Paul says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Apostle Paul says, I didn't come with any motivational speaking with some words of wisdom that are from men. I only came with the gospel of Christ. I was with you in weakness, verse 3, in fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. So his argument is, when he came, they were not converted to him or to Christ because of his style of presentation or being able to be eloquent. But he says, no, it was only by the power of God that was working in you that you believe the gospel. Because if your faith rests on my eloquence, if some other guy comes and speaks better than me, guess what? You're being converted to whatever they're bringing. However, verse 6, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear had, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Verse 10, But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. So all these things have been hidden to all men, but have now been revealed to us, not to everybody, to us who are the believing by his Spirit. So the things of God are revealed to us, his people, through the Spirit and no other way. If God does not teach us, we shall forever remain clothed to spiritual things. So people who say, oh, I am spiritual, and yet they don't believe the gospel, are lying to themselves. Because the mysteries of God cannot be known outside the Spirit of God because He is the one who is the agent of revelation. He comes and opens understanding that we may see what these spiritual things are. Verse 11. 
For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. So this is what Apostle Paul is saying. It is only your spirit that is in you that knows the thoughts of your mind. I can't know the things that are going on in your mind, but you know. And if this is true of man, it is also true of God. It's impossible for a man to know the things that are in the mind of God. It's impossible. And the believer now has this advantage. The believer now has the spirit of God who knows the mind of God. And that's the only way that you and I are able to read, to understand, and believe the things of God. Because we have been given one who knows the mind of God. And he reveals them to us. Verse 12. Now, we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. So the believer has received the Holy Spirit from God that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Every believer has to have the Spirit of God for them to be a believer. And if they ever are to know what is the mind of God. So the issue here is not an issue of education. Salvation, the gospel, is not an issue of education. When men stumble at the gospel and they deny the truth of the gospel, it's not because they are not smart. It's not about being smart. It's about what spirit they have. If they don't have the spirit of God, it's impossible for them to come to the knowledge of truth. Verse 18. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So spiritual things have to be compared or measured by other spiritual things, that is by gospel truths, and not by emotions or the wisdom of the world. You can't use the wisdom of the world, science, psychology, philosophy, to try and measure and make a judgment of spiritual things. Because spiritual things are only judged by one who has the Holy Spirit. Verse 14. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually descend. So we have the natural man being identified for us and being defined for us. The natural man is he who is not born again. It is he who does not have the spirit of God and does not have the Holy Spirit. And so they are left to their own natural resources of intellect to understand things that are above them. So, by default, they can only deny them. Verse 15. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. So the one who has the spirit of God is the spiritual man. And he is able to judge. That is, to weigh 
and discern all things because he sees things by the spirit of God who knows all things and yet they are not judged. They can't be rightly judged by anyone. So any unbeliever has no ability to properly make a judgment of who you are and what you believe. They are not able to because they don't have the resources or power or understanding to do so. Verse 16. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And so the natural man does not have the mind of the Lord as to instruct or teach him. But those who have the spirit of God are aided and given understanding by his spirit. And so the Jews are speaking to Jesus as natural men who do not receive the things of the spirit of God. For what reason? Because the things of the spirit of God are foolishness to the carnal mind. And not only that, the natural man, the carnal man, the fleshly man, the one who is not born again, is not able to know spiritual things. Because spiritual things cannot be understood by reason. Even though when the Holy Spirit reveals them to us, they come through our reasoning. And yet you can't understand them by reason alone. And so we can't understand the things of God by just experience. So much for the boys who have been caught up in the third heavens and coming back and writing books. And If we have any experience, it has to be judged it has to be interpreted spiritually by the truth of God to see if it is true. We have to use the truth of God to judge that experience. Spiritual things cannot be understood by worldly wisdom. Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1.21, For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. And so the gospel message is a foolish message to those who are perishing. It is a foolish message to the world because it is a spiritual message. And the world tries to judge it by its wisdom and without the spirit of God. And this is a worthless exercise. As Apostle Paul would say, it's like boxing the wind. You are trying to fight against the wind. It's a worthless exercise. And so sinners reject the gospel not because they are not smart or not because they are not intelligent. They reject the gospel because they lack the ability to understand it. They lack the ability to receive it. They lack the ability to believe it. And this is important teaching from the Lord because we have those who claim that all men have ability in themselves to come to Jesus and to heed his call. And their teaching is man-centered. It gives man more power than God says of man. When I listen to Arminians, Actually, I saw some posts earlier this morning and someone was arguing that 
Calvinists are wrong in their teaching of the doctrine of total depravity and saying men are dead in trespasses and sins. But if men are dead spiritually, they should also not be able to sin. <laughs> if they're not able to come to Christ, then they should also not be able to sin. But that's a sign that they don't understand the doctrine. Men are dead in trespasses and sins because they are under bondage to sin. And sin is their master. And sin won't allow them to do anything like coming to Christ by themselves. It's impossible. That, that is what we mean when we say men are spiritually dead. It's not like they can't eat yogurt. Yes, they can eat yogurt. But they can't come to Christ and rest on his righteousness alone for their salvation. They can't do it. And the reason why men do that comes from a desire to want to clean God up. They want to clean the image of God and say, oh, we want a God who is fair. And a fair God can only exist if we give men the ability to believe. And then it just comes down to what a person does with that ability. They are denying God's sovereignty. They don't like God's sovereignty. That's the point. And so they will say, no, all men are able to understand the speech of Jesus if they would just open the door to him or exercise their will. That's the argument. And when men profess that they are saying Jesus was not telling the truth. Listen to us. We know what Jesus did not know. Their thinking is wrong. Their thinking is that sinners refuse to come to Jesus because the sinners have power to refuse to understand. That's what they're saying. They're saying the sinner has power to refuse to understand what Jesus is saying and they have power to reject it. So that is not what Jesus is teaching. That's not what Jesus is teaching. This teaching at the end of the day is what separates us from the majority of even those who call themselves Christians. This teaching that all men have the ability to hear and understand by themselves if they could just choose. If they just woke up on the right side of the bed and if Jesus is lucky, they may just decide for or against him. That teaching is against what Jesus is teaching. Jesus is saying man cannot understand him because they have no ability to hear God's words. So what is happening? When men deny the fall of men and total depravity, they are also denying total inability. Because that's the issue. The Jews here are denying total inability and they are denying total depravity. And total inability and total depravity they come as Siamese twins. Total depravity means sinners are completely morally bankrupt 
as to do anything good by themselves. And because of their total depravity, they are totally unable to do anything spiritually beneficial to themselves as to honor God because they lack the desire, they lack the right motives, and they lack the power unless God puts it in them. Unless God puts it in them. If you deny total depravity, then you also have to deny total inability. And if you deny total inability, then you have to say men have a free will because that's how they come up with it. They deny total depravity and so they are forced to deny total inability. And in place of those, they put free will as the reason why some people come and others don't. So it just comes down to your diligence to take advantage of Christ. And Jesus has clearly denied the doctrine of free will because he says you're under bondage. Jesus has said men are born slaves to sin and they need to be set free. Secondly, he has said men will not hear his speech because they are not able to hear. And so what does that mean for those who hear? It means their will and choice is not what determines whether they came to Christ or not. They came and they hear because God enabled them to hear and to come. Those who come to Christ, those who hear his gospel, those who believe are those that God causes to hear the gospel. It is these that he made willing in the day of his power. And it is these that were born again from above. It is these that the father draws to Christ. It is these the father gave to Christ. So the conversation continues. Jesus has told them what is happening and we have expanded on the understanding of why the Jews could not believe. But he continues and continues to connect his theology and the spiritual DNA. And he gives us the profile of the devil and he connects the devil to them. The Lord has not rested the arguments yet. He has questioned the paternity of the Jews and said they are lying on Abraham. The Jews accuse Jesus of being a child of fornication. But Jesus says, verse 44, you are of your father the devil and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. The Lord says, let me tell you the truth. Let me tell you who your real father is because your birth certificate is wrong. You are of your father, the devil. And so the Lord identifies for them their spiritual papa. Papa is, yeah, the inward for all these false prophets. He identifies for them the spiritual papa and the source of their spiritual DNA and says there is a direct cause and effect relationship 
between who your father is and your deeds. He says, because you have the spiritual DNA of your father, the devil, you are also going to do the deeds, not of Abraham, but of him who was a murderer from the beginning, who does not stand in the truth. And by this, the Lord was saying, he is the truth. And the devil has no part in Christ because there's no truth in him. Apostle John said in 1 John 3, 8, He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. So that's the same understanding that Apostle John has even as he writes his epistles. And so here the Lord gives us a profile of the devil and says, the devil was a murderer from the beginning. And I think he was referring to his lies in the fall of Adam and Eve that brought the curse of death on God's people. Secondly, Jesus says, the devil does not stand in the truth. Jesus Christ is the truth and the devil has no truth in him and which means he has nothing of Christ in him to give to anyone. The scriptures say the devil, Satan, transforms himself or disguises himself into an angel of light. He makes an appearance and sounds like he actually is an angel of truth and light and the gospel, and yet he just does that to deceive people. So Apostle Paul said this about the ministers who work for the devil in Second Corinthians 11, verse 14 and 15. He says, therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers, and the he's there is referring to the devil, Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness whose end will be according to their works. So the devil works his deception through people who claim to be ministers of righteousness, who have their books, woman thou art loosed, their programs, very sincere testimonies, of how this actually worked wonders for them just to reel you in like what a python does. And once you are in, you can't escape. They bring you things to do to make you feel righteous. And yet righteousness is only had by what Christ accomplished and they won't preach that gospel. And many are falling into this trap But as always, people will find an excuse and say, but it can't be that bad. Look at how many people are following him or her. By the way, Beth Moore is going to be having a program on TBN. So she's going to be reaching a lot of people. So she can't be wrong. After all, she's on TBN. She can't be wrong. After all, look at how many people are listening to her. Look at how many people are following her. And many are being swept away because they don't know how God works. God sends a strong delusion to those who do not receive or retain 
the love of the truth that he may condemn them. That's the teaching of Apostle Paul. So be careful, my friends. I'm not even kidding. Be careful about whom you hear and what they say about Christ and this gospel. Salvation is not a numbers game. It's all about the truth. But people will not stand on Christ and him crucified alone as their only hope of salvation. People want to do stuff. And so they fall into the trap of the evil one. And God gives them over to a strong delusion. It's not just a delusion. God says it's so strong that you are unable to get yourself out of it. It's so strong that God keeps it by his power to make sure you never come out of it. So people fall into the trap of the evil one with his counterfeit gospel. But let's go back to the profile of the devil. Jesus still has some more things to say about the devil. He says, there's no truth in the devil. There's no truth in the devil. For there is no truth in a lie. Truth is 100% true. A truth and a lie mixed do not produce truth. It produces a lie and the devil is a master of mixing truth and lies so as to deceive people. So the deceivers will come and say the gospel, gospel, and Jesus, in Jesus' name, or the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit, but just watch what's going to happen five, ten minutes later. They never preach the gospel. But they're always using the language of truth, but using it to propagate and promote their own lies. Listen to this. When the devil speaks, according to Jesus, he speaks a lie and nothing else. Why? Because he is the father of lies. He is the originator of lies. He is the inventor of lies. He is the founder, the progenitor of the family of lies and those who lie. And we all, before Christ, used to do his bidding. We were held captive to him to do his will, but we were set free. And Jesus says, the devil speaks from his own resources, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So he speaks only that which is in his heart. Matthew seven fifteen to 18, Jesus says, Matthew seven fifteen to 18, Jesus says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. So the devil is a bad tree that produces only bad fruit. He is opposed to everything that is true and righteous. He is opposed to the gospel. That is his greatest enemy. And so don't be surprised that that is the area where he works the hardest. To try and deceive people. So the Lord having identified the devil as the source of all lies. And linked him to the Jews 
who did not believe in Jesus then made a distinction between himself and the devil. He says, unlike the devil who is a liar of himself, he says, listen to verse 45 and to 47. He's making is a purposeful comparison in the light of what he has said about the devil. He says, but because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. Jesus tells them the truth, but they will not believe in him. Why, Jesus? Because he who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, that's Jesus making a conclusion. Therefore, you do not hear, and he gives the reason, because you are not of God. So, the paternity issue continues. The Jews claim to be of Abraham and of God, but Jesus says, no, that is not true. If you were of God, you would hear God's words. And that is a very clear statement. There's no need to do any gymnastics to understand what Jesus is teaching. The Lord is teaching election. He is teaching election. He is saying certain men, certain people do not hear the gospel not because they just chose not to. The actual reason goes deeper than that. They do not hear because they are not of God. They do not belong to God. And for one to hear, according to Jesus, they need to belong to God first before God causes them to hear. It is God, therefore, who causes the difference in those who hear and those who do not hear. The Lord says to the Jews, Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. You do not hear because you are not of God. Let's hear more teaching on this particular subject from Jesus himself in John 10, 24 to 27. And we're going to be closing on that teaching. John 10, 24 to 27. This is the Good Shepherd Discourse. And he again is talking to the Jews. Verse 24. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe, listen to this, because you are not of my sheep. As I say to you, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So we have to work cause and effect. Jesus is working cause and effect. If I come and say to you, you are hungry because you did not eat this morning. That is very clear. And everyone understands 
what that is saying. Is it correct if I say everyone understands me to have said the person did not eat because they were hungry? They did not eat because they were hungry. No one will understand the statement that way. Not if they are in their right mind. Not if they are not trying to promote some theological tradition. But I believe, going back to our statement, but I believe all who understand me as having said, the person is hungry because they did not have breakfast. And so Jesus comes and does similar reasoning in the work of salvation of sinners. He says, you don't hear, you don't believe the gospel because you do not belong to God. And by that he is saying, one has to belong to God first before they can hear or are made to hear. The implication is that God causes to hear all those that belong to him, but not everybody belongs to him since not all hear. They do not hear to belong to him, but because they belong to him. We do not believe to belong to God, but we believe because we already belong to God. That's the teaching of Jesus. Okay. So in John 10, the Lord was working that same understanding of hearing and believing and his ship. We know as we have talked already that the predominant teaching in the church world is that one becomes a ship by choosing Christ when they decide for Christ. But the Lord says, no, you only become ship because of election. People do not become ship by believing. You believe because you are ship. And this is very clear teaching. And yet the church will not believe it and will not teach it and will not repent. Why? Because that takes away the choice and power from man. And that is not nice to the flesh. <laughs> you can't take away my right. I'm a free man. I have the right to vote. Okay? <laughs> and many are preaching to please man and not God because they are not afraid of God. God is going to require these people to give account of this very clear teaching about salvation. This is serious business. And we have to say what the scriptures say, even if it is not popular with men. We do not make the word of God of none effect for the sake of preserving our own traditions. God is opposed to the traditions of men because they always water down his word. Gods do not ever become sheep. Even though they may eat the same grass and drink the same water as the sheep, they are different by nature. And yet Armenians who say gods become sheep by believing, by exercising their own choice and will, and we should just accept that after all, God is a gentleman. He does not force himself on anyone, and yet they pray to God to save some of their friends. And they'll argue and say, but look, there are a lot of people who believe it anyway. 
So it has to be right. But that's not true. We, we can't teach the truth that way. It just comes and says, no, that doesn't work like that. Okay? It doesn't work like that. But the question that we have to deal with as we finish this is, does it really matter for us to say the truth about the gospel? Even if the majority of the people that we know, even those who profess to be Christians, are clearly denying something that is so clearly taught. Does it matter for us to keep standing on it and keep defending and declaring the truth of how God actually saves sinners? Yes, it matters because a lie does not save anybody. The, the Jews were believing a lie and when the truth came, they denied it. And God does not save anyone by falsehood. He saves by truth. Yes, it matters because Jesus told us the truth of how this works. And people are not confused about it. To argue confusion is a ploy to deny the truth. There's nothing confusing about God choosing sinners to himself and causing them to hear. There's nothing confusing about going to the mall and buying your own pair of shoes and pants. There's nothing confusing about that. And yet somehow it is confusing if God chooses who to serve and who not to serve. Men just don't like the fact that God is God. And he calls the shots on everything and on such matters as salvation. But God cannot be God if he can't determine salvation. And that is the point of salvation. And that is the argument. All the argument comes down to whatever theology, whatever gospel we bring, is it to the glory of man or is it to the glory of God? It can never be to the glory of both God and man. Okay? And so this is a spiritual battle. As Jesus was teaching us, it's a spiritual battle between the truth and the father of lies. But anyone who has the spirit of God has to side with God because that is God's own testimony of himself and his things. Salvation is serious business, my friends, and it will cause you to be hated by your own for the sake of Christ. As long as you tell the truth, People were okay with Jesus as long as he kept the food coming. People were okay with Jesus as long as he kept the bread coming. But as soon as he started telling them about how salvation works, they did not want anything to do with him. So if it was true of God himself, imagine what's going to happen to you. But he promised, we have this confidence, that he promised that it was going to happen this way, if we stand for his truth and not try to remove the offense, don't remove the offense of the cross. A gospel with no offense, a gospel with no sovereignty is no gospel and God does not honor that. He even said, blessed is he who is not offended by me. Jesus says, I know I'm offensive, <laughs> but you are blessed if you are not offended by my theology. And I pray that you and I are not offended by him. And I pray that you also will understand his speech. I pray that he will cause you to hear 
and to give you spiritual ears that you may see things as God sees them and as he has freely given them to us to understand. Amen. Amen, Charlie. Praise the Lord. Amen, Abriana. Oh, amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we praise you. We honor you for your truth. We honor you for your son who set us free by his work on the cross, who set us free by revealing the truth to us, not by the wisdom of man, but by the wisdom of the spirit whom he has given to all those who belong to him. So, Lord, we pray that you continue to give us the testimony of the truth, the testimony of your Holy Spirit, who alone knows the mind of God. For there is no way by our own selves we could ever wake up one day and say, I'm going to go and follow Jesus. This was never anything that was within our capacity to do. So we just praise you, Lord, that you have brought us here to a place of truth, to a place where we see Christ for who he is and our need for him. And Lord, we just pray and thank you for this message. May you bless it and may you speak to your people with whatever you have determined that they need to hear. We honor you, we glorify you, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.